Authenticity has become a buzzword in our culture the past few years. Uh, we want to know, is, is what I see, is that what I'm going to get with you? And that's especially true inside the church. So recently I've seen that pastor kind of done some, some day in the life of type of things. And I, I got to think, what would it look like to, to do a day in the life of, 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 of this pastor? So that you can see an authentic look into my life. But then I got to thinking, well, um, I'm not so sure that they would want to see me uh, prep sermons. I just, I have to speed it up in time lapse just to make it, you know, that much interesting. So, okay, well, refereeing is a little more interesting. So maybe they would want to see uh, what it looked like to be a referee. Okay, maybe you don't need to see that either. But, okay, what, what, what would it look like if we were walking down our, our, our street and we had, the, what, we had the windows open? What would it look like to, 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 to look in and hear what, what went on inside of our house? look at, uh, at at my life and um, um, uh, just kind of put, put joking someone aside um, authenticity is huge inside the church right if you can't trust who is leading you and, and and people inside the church then who can you trust and maybe for some of you you left church or you've never come into church but you happen to be here uh, this week, maybe for the first time, or maybe uh, maybe you've been coming across point for a little bit. And, 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 and but you'd say part of your story is I walked out of church, I lost my religion because of this exact issue. I couldn't trust people inside the church and their lives. It was not what you see is what you get. They were one way inside of church, and when they got out of church, it was another way. I'm glad you're here, and I hope you stick around for this series, because Jesus Jesus gave us a sermon. It was a Hellfire Brimstone sermon, baby. And he gave us a sermon that, that attacked this exact issue. There's a bunch of religious leaders, and they were not authentic whatsoever. And this is the last week of Jesus' life, and, 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 and these religious leaders have just been uh, asking Jesus a barrage of questions, trying to get him to trip up. Say the wrong thing so they can kill him. Jesus knew this. And Jesus knew that, that eventually he would die in their hands. And this just angered him so much. Not that he would die, but because they were inauthentic. And he just went off on them on a sermon. And he was in the middle of their temple complex. He was on their home turf. And he just went off on them. And we're taking a look at this sermon during this series, Losing My Religion, on how Jesus told them he wanted them to lose their religion. Let's take a look. Matthew 23. Now, verses aren't going to be on the screen because I'm on the screen. So, we encourage you to download the Bible app on your smartphone or tablet, or you can open up the hardbound Bible and follow along. But Matthew 23, here it is. Then then Jesus said to the crowd and to his disciples, The teachers of religious law and the Pharisees are the official interpreters of the law of Moses. 
So practice and obey whatever they tell you, but don't follow their example. For they don't practice what they teach. They crush people with unbearable religious demands and never lift a finger to ease the burden. Everything they do is for show. On their arms, they wear extra-wide prayer boxes with scripture verses inside, and they wear robes with extra-long tassels. And they love to sit at the head of the table at, at banquets and the seats of honor in the synagogues. They love to receive respectful greetings as they walk in the marketplaces and be called rabbi. Don't let anyone call you rabbi, for you have only one teacher, and all of you are equals of brothers and sisters. And don't address anyone here on earth as father, for only God in heaven is your spiritual father. And don't let anyone call you teacher, for you have only one teacher, the Messiah. The greatest among you must be a servant, but those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Jesus started this sermon off right at the root problem, spiritual pride. And the longer you've been in church, and the longer you've been, 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 been in this thing called Christianity, the more chance you have at having spiritual pride. So you better listen up closely. And if we hear and follow Jesus here, He's going to lead us away from this. But spiritual pride shows up in a couple of different ways. Spiritual acts and spiritual titles. Spiritual acts says... The bar is set right here, and the bar is so high that everybody else can't reach the bar, especially those that are sinners and far from God. They can't reach the bar. God doesn't like them. God doesn't, isn't close to them because they haven't, they haven't made the bar yet. And then, <clears throat> there's spiritual titles that says, I'm at this bar, I have this title. You know what? I'd love to help, but I can't, I can't come off my pedestal to come help you because that would make me dirty. And Jesus got angered at this. Angered. Why? Because he proves God is close to those far from him. He is God in flesh. I know maybe for some of you that's a, cra that's a crazy thought. But Jesus, Jesus said himself that he is God. And he came to earth saying, God's close to those far from God. Because everybody's far from God. You could be born in church. Literally, birthed right in church. And you're far from God. And if you believe, if you believe, if, well actually, if you don't believe that God is close to those far from God, you need to repent of your spiritual pride and read the Gospels. With, with, with seriousness. Not with your piousness. But how do, we, how do we overcome spiritual pride? Well, first of all, we have to repent. He wants them to repent of their spiritual pride. Spiritual pride is like dust. It, it comes and settles on the furniture. We've got to repent. We don't clean ourselves off. That's the problem with spiritual pride. We ask God, God, take some of your pledge and a rag and wipe me off. Let me start afresh. But Jesus does tell us he does tell us how to maybe slow down the dust. He says, listen to their teaching. What they are teaching is right, but how they do their teaching is wrong. Don't do what they do. They don't practice what they preach. Do it differently. So how do they practice what they preach? They practice it in pride. Jesus tells them, Practice it in humility. Do the same things. Do it in humility, not pride. See, what did Jesus say at the end? The greatest among you must be a servant. 
but those who exalt themselves will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. Do this in humility. So we start with the uh, Scripture memory, Scripture, and the phylacteries, the things that they were wearing on their, on their arm. What is that all about? Well, that was, that was a box that they would put all their Scripture memory verses in. When they memorized the Scripture, they put it, put it in the box. And when they filled one box, they got a bigger, bigger box, and a bigger box, and a bigger box. And what they wanted was this. When, when the religious leaders was walking along the marketplace, or the, or, the, or the synagogue, or the temple, they wanted people to sit there and look at them, and look at their boxes, and go, Oh my goodness, look at his big box! Can you believe how big his box is? He must know so much scripture. He has such a fine big box. Jesus isn't impressed with your big box. Spiritual pride says, I've memorized so much scripture. I've read so much scripture. I am so close to God because of that. And look, there are programs inside the church that probably started off giving life to people, but ended up being a program to check off the box. Our big boxes now are, 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 are boxes to check, not literal boxes that we wear on ourselves. We can't live in pride. We have to live in humility. And humility says, I don't care who knows that I memorize Scripture. And I don't care who knows that I, I read God's Word. Life comes from God's Word. And so I'm going to read it. We give you a scripture, a, a, a scripture reading plan every series and a scripture memory plan every series so that you can find life and you have a guide to help you find life in His Word. This series is, is, is we're reading Galatians along with the sermon that, 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 that Jesus uh, preached here. We're also reading Galatians. This is where Paul dealt with this same exact topic of spiritual pride. And it will give you life if you read it. And if you read it, coming to Jesus saying, give me life through your word, it will give you life. We are, I am, I am longing for people that rise up and say, I hunger and thirst for him. Give me life, Jesus. I want to find your life. But then there's the issue of the tassels. In the Old Testament, God said, put tassels on your robe as a reminder, as a simple reminder of my law. But what it became was, the longer the tassel, the more you thought of God's law, and the more righteous you were. And so the religious leaders, what they wanted was to be walking in the marketplace, and the synagogues, and the temple, and have people sit there, and, and, and start to say something like this. Oh my goodness, look at his long tassel. I can't believe how long his tassel is. My goodness, he must be so righteous because he's such a long tassel. You know what Jesus is saying? You're compensating for something. You're compensating for a righteousness that I'm not impressed with. I told you in Isaiah that your righteousness is like filthy rags. No, not like not like wipe the dipstick off of, of, of oil rag, like, like menstrual cycle rag. That's how impressed he is with our righteousness. But, pride says, look at my righteousness. But, 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 Jesus, Jesus lived a righteous life died a death with our sin on his shoulders, and boom, out of the grave. Why? In order to take our sin, put it on him, take his righteousness, put it on us, so we do now have 
His righteousness. But it's not for us. It's not about His righteousness. It's about the life that His righteousness gives. I guarantee you. Look, some of you are skeptical. You're like, oh, no, 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 that sounds too close like commands. Look, He created your life and He knows how it works best. His righteousness will give us life. He is proving that. He is showing that to me. I can't articulate it well yet. But He continues to show how His righteousness brings life to people. And if you want life, I beg you, follow His righteousness. Not in pride to go look at me, but in humility. He says, I don't care who notices. I want life. Then He talks about spiritual titles. We don't throw out spiritual titles because of this. And Jesus didn't want us to either. Titles are important later in the, in the New Testament church. But you've experienced this in the marketplace. And maybe you're this type of leader in the marketplace. That says, I have an awesome title. Serve me. I have a title that's higher than yours. Serve me. And we can see this inside the church as well. It's unfortunate. But we can God doesn't give us titles in order for us to be prideful and say, serve me because of this. He gives us titles so that we can look at people and go, I have a title, I have a position, I'm going to leverage this to serve you, to bring you life. When you have a boss that serves you, doesn't that bring you life? Christians, this isn't just for the pastors and the leaders that have an official title. You have a title of Christian, Christ follower, People are looking for you. Non-fans are looking to you. Are you going to give them life? See, the deal is, is this whole thing, this angered Jesus so much. The Part of the reason why is because people matter to God. He loves them. He freed them, all of us, all of us, from our sin by His blood and they matter to God. And we serve with our titles to say, you matter to God, I want to bring you life. With whatever I have. And I will serve you. And then there's the teaching part. Maybe you you were listening to that and read that and said, Why am I here? If you're not my teacher, God's my teacher, I could do this in my home. The role of teaching is important and vital, vital to a New Testament church. And it spread the gospel in Acts. And it continues to spread the gospel today. It's not that Jesus was saying that that don't let anybody literally get up in here and teach you. It is a reminder to us all that even though I am teaching you, it is the Holy Spirit who is truly teaching you. Prideful teachers, and you can have this, you can have a prideful teacher in high school, in college, or in the church. Prideful teachers say, sit down, shut up, I have something to teach you. Trains wreck video as well. Okay, you're just going to have to live with that. Hopefully you don't have a train at the same time. Prideful teachers say this, Sit down, shut up, I have something to teach you. Now, humble teachers say this. They do say, I have something to teach you. But they say, I'm going to serve you with what I have. And inside the church, what this is, is the Bible has life of God in it. You matter to God. I want you to find the life of God. That is my prayer for you, that you find the life of God. This is why we can teach live or in video. This is why we can have myself, Paul, Phil, PA, anybody with the teaching gift, teach. Why? Because it's not about who's teaching. It's about the fact that the Holy Spirit will use anybody to teach somebody. Spiritual humility says, I understand that. So I just simply serve you by opening God's Word so you can find life. And there is life in this one key phrase. 
The greatest among you must be a servant. Those of you, those of you that are fans, that are followers of Christ, this is our one competition. Paul says in Romans about outdo one another in honor. And really what he's talking about, it's a, it's a passage about love. Some of your small groups have talked about this this week. It's a passage about love. Really what he's saying is outdo one another in love. That's our main competition inside the church. Can we outdo one another in love? Can we outdo one another in serving? Why? Because people matter to God. But you know what? I don't do a good job, a good enough job of saying this here specifically and casting this vision, but you matter to God. You matter to God. Now that you have Christ and are a follower of Christ, you still matter to God. See, you matter to God. He wants to give you a purpose that will bring you life because you serve people with that purpose. You matter to Him, so He wants to give you a purpose and to serve with that purpose. And going into this next new year, we kind of do years by, by, by school years, this next new year, man, you're going to hear this a lot. People are the mission. People are the mission of God, and people need to be our mission. Why? Because people matter to God, and those far away matter to God, and we need to be about them. How can you serve people? One, pray for their salvation. Each and every week, walk in here having prayed for the salvation of souls in this very room. When we walk in having prayed for that, we expect that. Invite people. Invite people, serve them by, by inviting people, not to come to church, but inviting them. I want you to come find the life that Jesus has to offer you because your life matters to God. Will you park? Can you park on the periphery to serve people? Because those far from God, they pull in here with an apprehension if there's open spaces up front. Maybe some of that will start subsiding. Will you sit? Those with apprehension and fear when it's sit in the back and on the periphery, will you serve people by leaving those spaces open so that they can come in late and sit there and have a sweet spot open for them? Are you serving on a team? Not so that you can serve me. Not that you can serve a lead, lead team, team lead. And not so that you can fill a role. Are you serving on a team so that you can look people in the eye and say, you matter to God, and you matter to me, so I'm here to serve you? Have you met somebody new to you today? Because you don't know what baggage they walk in here with. And what, what, what that will do for them to alleviate their baggage by saying, Hey, I'm so glad you're here. You matter to me. Is there anything I can do for you? You don't have to be an extrovert to say that. How can you walk in here saying, I am going to be the greatest servant of them all? Because I matter to God, they matter to God, and they matter to me. Those of you that are not fans, now listen. We're not going to be perfect in this. The residue of spiritual pride will rest on us and settle on us. And if you capture us at the wrong day, um, you can run your finger across that pride pretty easily. But we want to be a people that's always progressing and always repenting of that. I ask you to have patience with us when we fail and be willing to say, I believe we failed here and, and we'll repent. If we don't, we'll deal with it. But what we want above all else is for you to know that you matter to God and you matter to us. 
And that God wants you to find life because He freed you from from your sin by His blood. And that He loves you so much that He did that for you. There'll be people in the back of the room that you can go up to and they want to serve you by showing you how to find that life. Otherwise, worship the one who is the greatest servant of them all. We can't outserve God, so we can't, we can't be impressive here. We just serve because He first served us. And if you need to repent, repent. But start in your prayer work this week. That prayer work is, God, you want me to serve to give life. So who do you want me to serve? Start that prayer. Pray that today, every day of this week. And see who He brings into your life this week. So that you can serve to give His life. Let's pray. Dear Father, Lord, I thank You for this time. And I pray that You will continue to move in our midst. That Your Holy Spirit is the one teaching people. Let us find Your life through through being the greatest of all servants. Because we simply follow who is truly the greatest of all. Let people find life this morning. In your name we pray. Amen.